All right. Good morning, everyone. Happy belated Thanksgiving. I'm sure many of you have moved on and put up your Christmas trees already. I was kind of hoping for snow this morning, but I guess we're not done with Thanksgiving yet in our house. So um, let us start with a word of prayer. So, Dear God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here this morning at worship as we gather together in this community um, here at Emmanuel. And I pray now that you would speak to us. Um, would you speak through me? May I be a vessel of your truth and your love um, to the message that you have to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Allison Potratz, and I'm the pastoral intern here for this semester, or two semesters, I guess, that I have at the Master's Institute. Um, that's where I'm doing my seminary degree for the Ma Master's of Divinity. And I've really enjoyed being here so far. I've been getting involved with Trinity on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings doing the Young Disciples group um, before worship and getting ready for the Christmas program and then also helping coordinate our nursery. And it's all been really wonderful um, so far. And for those of you who don't know much about me, I grew up in Norwalk, Iowa, just south of Des Moines. I have my, both of my parents and three siblings that are all in that area as well. And then I moved on to Wartburg College where Andrew and I reconnected um, after having worked at Riverside. So I have a connection with Riverside as well. And we got married and then we have our three wonderful kids. We've been traveling many different places and now feel like we've returned home to Story City. So thank you to everyone who's welcomed us here so far. Let's see, I love puzzles, I love music, I love dancing, I love nature, and I love my family. But also, I am a dearly loved child of God, and so are each and every one of you. And I'm so glad that I get the opportunity to preach on that today, um, because Ephesians 3, this prayer for the Ephesians that we heard earlier, is an important one in my life because when I was a teenager, it was one of the first prayers and pieces of scripture that I was drawn to and would pray for myself. It was one of the first prayers that I was drawn to to find strength in God in times when I felt lost. It was a prayer that I prayed that I would know the love of God in a time of my life when I felt like no one else loved me. And I wanted to experience the fullness of God in everything I did during a really tough season of life as a teenager. And so I'm excited to share more about that with you today. And as I understand it, you guys spent the summer walking through the book of Ephesians, so I just want to quickly review for you all what that book is all about. So Ephesians is actually a letter written by Paul, and we met Paul long ago, but he was in Ephesus, actually, in Acts 19, doing ministry in Ephesus. And this city of Ephesus is a huge city, and it's rich, it's a place of travel for a lot of people, and the people there were known for worshiping other gods. They really needed Jesus, and Paul came to bring that to them. And so now having established this relationship with these people in Ephesus, he's helped establish some churches there. He's now in prison writing this letter to the churches in Ephesus, wanting to help remind them who they are to God. 
And so I want to look at some of the major themes of Ephesians. The first is that Paul is reminding them that they are God's covenant family, that all the way back from Abraham, God had planned that there would be unity in the family of God, that there would be both Jew and non-Jews, or Gentiles, which is us, all coming together to be united as one through the Messiah, which is Jesus. And then he's reminding them to live out as a family of grace. He wanted them to live united as one, but also to experience the love of God for themselves and display that by offering grace to one another and living in peace. He wanted them to stay united regardless of social status, political standards, slave or master, rich or poor. But they didn't always do that. And that doesn't even really sound like our world today, does it? He wanted them to stay under the rule of the kingdom of God and not of this world. He wanted them to live as one body with one spirit. If you remember, they worshipped many different gods and these giant statues. But he's reminding them that God longs to be united with them through one spirit. It's the Holy Spirit, one God. And it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to love one another and serve one another and build each other up. And then the end of Ephesians is the armor of God. He wants them to stand up against spiritual evil that might divide them. And then the last one that I missed is to live in the new and not in the old. He's reminding them, don't go back to who you were. Continue to live out your life with Jesus in the kingdom of God. And then the sad thing is, this does not sound like our Christian world today, does it? Do we always live united, having grace and peace with one another, with other Christians from all believers all over the world? There's an important prayer that Paul's praying for them from this little section of Ephesians 3, and it's a big transition point in this letter where the first is talking about church unity, and then the last part is talking about Christian living, very specific things. And so here... We're going to break down Ephesians 3. It says, first, Paul's praying that they would have strength. And then he's praying that they would have knowledge of God's love for them. And then he's praying for them to experience the fullness of God. And then he ends with a blessing. And I want to break this down for us today in putting it all together in one phrase, this whole chapter um, saying in one sentence, that Paul prays that God would strengthen each of us in order, in order that we would come to know the greatness of Christ's love for us and therefore gain a deeper realization of the fullness that is ours as members of the family of God. So let's start with strength. That piece of scripture says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You can see here that Paul is talking about a family. He's using some family language of the whole family that's in heaven and on earth. And he's talking about all believers, all believers who have lived, all believers who are living, and all believers to come, that we are all united as one family under heaven and on earth. And when he's praying for the Ephesians, he's praying that they would experience spiritual strength. He's talking about 
being affected and experiencing the Holy Spirit. And he uses this word inner being. He's talking about not the mind, but the inner soul, that there's like a deeper connection that we are called to live in the Holy Spirit's presence. And that presence of the Holy Spirit is what gives us strength. So often we think that the Holy Spirit is only at work if we hear prophesying and speaking in tongues or big healings in front of vast crowds of people. And though that is the work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can also work individually within each and every one of us in a personal connection with him. You see, the Holy Spirit's main job is to bring people to faith and then strengthen that faith. That's why Paul is saying, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He wants to bring that faith into strength. And so what does it look like for us to pray for spiritual strength? Well, many years ago, I was suffering from anxiety. Terrible, debilitating anxiety. And it was so bad that if my chest was tight, I could barely catch my breath. It was like I was in a constant state of panic. And I would walk hunched over because I just couldn't breathe, and I felt like there was a knot in my gut. I couldn't sleep at night. My mind was constantly running with worry. And so one night, I went to our small group that was meeting, and I was sharing with them about just how much I was struggling with this anxiety. And they decided to put their hands on me and pray for me. And though it was a very simple prayer, it wasn't anything vast or profound, it was a very simple prayer. In that moment, I felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it washed over me like from my head to my toes, and I felt peace in my head. I could breathe. I could take a deep breath for the first time in a long time. And though I still suffer with anxiety, I now know how to pray for that spiritual strength. I go to the Holy Spirit, and I say, breath of God, wash over me. Bring me peace. Help me to sleep. Help me to walk and function every day without this anxiety. The neat thing is that the word spirit means pneuma in Greek and ruach in Hebrew, and they both mean the same thing. It's the breath, the spirit, or the wind. And in the beginning of the creation, we see the spirit of God hovering over the waters, and many times Jesus breathes into people, or the wind coming in at Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit is at work in this really neat way. And it's like an invisible and powerful thing that can't come from a human being, but comes only through God. Now we can pray for knowledge. And it says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. When I think of these words being rooted and grounded or established in love, I think of a tree. And it makes me think also of Psalm 1, which says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, his word, his scripture and who meditates on this law day and night. And that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. 
What does it look like for us to be rooted and grounded in God so that we can find strength and experience his love for us? So when you see this tree up here, you can see the tree is thriving. It's got its leaves or its fruit that are growing. It's got branches and its trunk, but down below are the roots. And the roots play a very important role in any tree. I just learned this, but there's four different types of roots. There's one type of root that nourishes the tree. There's another one that is there for an anchor to the ground. It's to support it and give it stability. Another one stores up what it needs for when it needs it. And then another one helps the tree to not only grow, but to reproduce. And so when you think of us being rooted and grounded in God's scripture and his word, it's that. It's exactly that, what he's doing for us. He's nourishing us. He's anchoring us to him and grounding ourselves in him, storing what we need for us for when we need it. When we're ready to listen, he'll speak, and he helps us to grow in our faith and strengthens our faith and helps us to learn more and more about how much we need to know about God loving us. The way we find that love and experience that love is by being rooted in God. And yet to fully comprehend the fullness of God's love for us would surpass knowledge because God is that great and he loves us that much. But Paul wants us to begin to grasp the love that God has for us, even if it's just a little. And then the last part is a prayer for fullness. And it says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul's praying that they would not only experience God's love, but also participate fully in God's good gifts for them and everything that he wants to give them, everything he wants them to experience. And he wants something that's full to the measure, overflowing with all the good things. See, when I think of water and overflowing and filling up to a measure, we usually think of water. And there's, first of all, like a drippy faucet. God's love is not like a drippy faucet where you're sitting there with a cup waiting for it to just fill, saying, God, fill me, fill me, fill me, and waiting and waiting and waiting. Nor is it on the other side like a flood in Waverly, Iowa. <laughs> in 2008, my husband and I had just celebrated our one-year wedding anniversary. Um, we have a picture of us standing in front of our house, our tin house, is what I called it. It's like a steel house. And um, we had just gotten our dog, little puppy, and then a week later, the floods of 2008 came through Iowa, and our house was destroyed. Like one year after we had just gotten married. And so you can see there, that's a picture of Waverly. The Cedar River overflowed, and it caused so much damage to our house that our house had to be torn down. And we had 16 inches of water on that one on our main floor. And you think 16 inches of water isn't that much, but... Everything that water touched, it tainted, it destroyed, and there's insulation in the walls, and so even though the insulation wasn't actually touching the water, it soaked up the walls and destroyed our home. And if you even touched the water, you would have to go get in line at the hospital to get a tetanus shot. And so this overflowing of the river was not a good one. It was not fun, it was not filling, 
and it destroyed many people and many homes. But God's love, rather, is like a big shooting geyser, like a water show or a fountain. Many years ago, my husband and I went to Branson, Missouri, for a little vacation with our family, and one of my favorite memories was going to sit along the river and watch the water show. And they would have big music, there would be fireballs and shooting water with beautiful lights like that, and it was powerful, especially if you were sitting right up front, you could feel the breeze coming off of the fountains shooting up, it was overflowing and mighty and beautiful, and you felt like you were just part of it, and it was exciting. That's how God's love is. It's not a drippy faucet or a tainted flood overflowing to destroy a house. It is a shooting fountain that wants to overflow and fill you so much that you are bursting with joy, that you're bursting with strength and knowing how much God loves you, that you have confidence in who you are in God. So when Paul is wanting the church to be united and experience all of this as a whole, He's also talking about us individually because how can we stay united as a church and experience all of this as a whole if we don't first experience that individually? If you don't personally know the strength and knowledge of God's love for you, then how can we be united in that? Knowing about God's love is different than knowing and experiencing it through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I ask you today, do you know God's love for you? Do you know that you're a dearly loved child of God? And have you experienced his great power through the Holy Spirit? What I want to do to end our time here is pray this prayer in first person, like I would pray as a teenager. And so would you all stand with me, and we're going to read Ephesians 3 um, in the first person, so that you're talking about yourself and praying this for yourself to God. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he would strengthen me with power through his spirit in my inner being, so that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love, I may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that I may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, ask or imagine, according to his power, that is at work within me. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.